Why don't you win a game with a power five? So you start criticizing my picks. <laughs> well, I actually, Bob, I have 11 power five wins. He did it. The doctor, four in one in the power five when he needed it most. And I think in the process, with that little stupid white man can't jump quote, put a hex on me, because I went 0-5 for the first time this season. Ah, this is Swipe Right Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. And if I sound bitter and angry, it's because I still am. Russell Wilson with that ridiculous interception to the house looked like Nathan Peterman out there. We'll get to it. First, as always, we're going to start with college football DFS recap of my posts on fakepigskin.com. I do one for the day and the night contest. And then we'll head to a marvelous 19-game board, five games in college, 14 in the pros. Lots to do. Let's go. Welcome into the college football DFS segment with yours truly, Solo here. Um, Last week wasn't good. Day and night really just didn't work out well at all. Um, It all begins and ends in the day with the California Bear offensive strategy with Devin Monster baiting the big chalky quarterbacks for him. And... um, Unfortunately, I watched this game and put myself through that. That's even worse because it was not good. And I could tell a few series in that this is not going to work. And the Oregon State defense actually showed up somewhat okay. So uh, that was bad. And, and that's kind of a lesson where it's good to always kind of wonder, did, did you get too cute? And I think I got too cute there. There was plenty of other options to uh, kind of retool your lineups with, especially the quarterback position. I just maybe went one tier too far down there. But I'll say this. I would still, the logic that involved by looking at the Vegas odds and saying, okay, they're projecting them for 32 points. Here's the prices. You know, when you stack it all up against each other, I stand by the logic to get to the decision. It just, look, did not work. Nothing you can say about that. Um, the other big thing was we got a chance to see the Auburn backfield for the first time without Booby Whitlow. And essentially, I said that Cam Martin was, I think, the logical choice to be the guy to get the start. That happened. After that, it was exactly as I suggested it could be, which was utter chaos. Um, I think Shivers is probably maybe the best option of the whole group because he's the most involved in the passing game. They use him a a lot around the goal line and um, those jet motion sweeps and screen passes. So um, he's kind of the more shiftier of the two and I think will have the most overall involvement. And we'll get to see them again this week in more of a 
game that probably won't have as lopsided of the game flow. That was another part of that. So, but um, just something to keep note of moving forward that uh, that is a situation you may just want to avoid. The prices themselves don't give you that much of an advantage at this point to really gain a lot of value. So um, yeah, utter chaos there in the Tiger backfield. And then the last thing was Jalen Red that worked out okay. He had two touchdowns, but I think that that was fairly um, easy to figure out that he could have a nice game given the circumstances with uh, Breland being out for a season, the tight end for Oregon. Um, and then we move on to the night where the theme I had was the USC offense was my strategy in attacking the Arizona defense featured with the backup running back for USC, Marquis Step, who was going to get his chance because of an injury. And he was working out well, had a 13-66 one line early on in the game. Then he was injured uh, and left for the game. And uh, that did not help things. Overall, the biggest problem was the Arizona offense really did not do their part in kind of keeping pace to make this enough of a game so that USC would be motivated to keep scoring in the second half. It got to, I believe, 27-0 towards the end of the third and quickly was 34-0 to begin the fourth. So um, the starters got you four offensive touchdowns on the night. The slowest was fine, but again, just didn't have that, uh, that upside hit to where the game got you know, really back and forth shootout. It just didn't turn out to be that way. So um, the biggest thing, though, that kept that strategy from working was overlooking how bad this Texas defense might be. And the uh, revelation of the Mad Hatter and his new offensive coordinator, Brett Dearman, on the offense for Kansas, piled up 569 yards, 27 first downs, in six touchdowns that was out of nowhere and pretty much if you were in on that game that was what finished in the cast for that slate for sure Uh, you had to be involved in that game in in some way shape or form so um that'll be something to keep an eye on moving forward as well as just this kansas offense and how much can they obviously they're not going to score 48 points every week and score six touchdowns but you know, is there now some value here week to week with them? And then there's some legitimate improvement here. So um, that's kind of what I want to talk about. Oh, sorry. And one more thing. The Missouri offense from the day slate. What was that? That was uh, they straight up lost to a bad Vanderbilt team and just were a complete bust. Uh, Kelly Bryant, Larry Roundtree, the whole thing was just what a disaster. So almost like the Kansas offense Looking at them going, well, maybe there's something here. I don't know necessarily what to think about the Missouri offense there. I know I know Vanderbilt was fired up. They needed to win, and they kids played up. It was, it was good and everything, but wow, that's a really disappointing performance for uh, Missouri. So um, kind of looking ahead at this week, I think these prices are really tightened up now, and it's very difficult, at least in my, it, it, in my opinion, IMO, to find the real saucier picks in the $3,000, you know, $4,000 ranges. The prices have done a good job of just catching up and they're kind of solidified. Um, you know, LSU no longer, every receiver is, uh, you know, $7,500 or something. So um, 
if you want to pay for those guys, you got to get creative and find ways to roster all of it. So that is what I wanted to review for the college football DFS segment. Let's get to the doctor in the redemption. The picks starts now. We're here. It is the pick segment. As we do every week, I am joined by the doctor. How are you, doctor? Uh, doctor, doctor is good as as usual. Uh, I had a had a decent uh, bounce back week in the Power Five after you ridiculed me all last week. So I'm feeling uh, feeling pretty good about that. And I don't You're think you had as much success as you had the week before. It was uh, it was discussed in the open uh, right off the top, but we're obviously going to get to it in a little more detail uh, before we get to the big boys and the pros. We start every week in college. We always talk about Michigan, Michigan State, USC, and Notre Dame, and then any of the marquee matchups. Uh, the schools we always talk about. We have some you know loose affiliation with because of we went there, or there's some just regular fandom uh, from where we grew up. So uh, this slate, we have a, the first game, a little Friday night action. Yes. And a conference matchup with USC traveling to Colorado. And I'm going to take the lead here. Now, USC minus 13 and a half. And I I want to ask you a question. Do you remember when the Michigan State Spartans lost to Arizona State earlier this year, ten to seven? Of course. Yeah, you remember that, right? And then the the following week, Stephen Montez lit up that Arizona State defense for some like school record of passing. It was some like three hundred some yards. It was ridiculous. Would you like to hear Steven Montez's last six quarters of football before being benched at halftime last week? I know it's not good, but fire away. <laughs> How about 35 of 64 for 260 yards and a touchdown interception ratio of 0 to 6? Strong. Very strong. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this uh, this Colorado is – team is not good um as many injuries that the usc defense uh has sustained lately and even at the running back spot i just think the buffalo quarterback woes it actually kind of almost makes it easy for this defense to kind of have a decent chance for some of these younger players to get playing time and improve so um i'm usc laying the 13 and a half all the way here i think it's the first time maybe i've ever taken them on this pod so um i I think it's just the year one for mel tucker uh as head coach kind of continues at colorado usc minus 13 the doctor yeah i I think you nailed it um since joining the conference in 2011 colorado's never beaten usc they're (laughs) 0-8 so i think we both would agree we certainly don't see that changing uh and then you know kind of you covered some of the some of the spots. Um, will USC cover the 13 and a half? They have been fighting injuries all year. Uh, they seem to bounce back. Um, the quarterback position, the running back position, and, and across the defense, um, they've they've done a nice job of kind of next man up mentality. I think as a as a whole, 
And uh, you, know, you mentioned that that Colorado offense was actually humming at one point during the year. They they are averaging thirty five points at home. Right. Um, but the last two games they've only they've only scored ten. It's been on the road. It's, it's awful. But more importantly, the Colorado defense is is giving up thirty five points per game. And so I think one one of the worst in the nation. Yeah, they're terrible. So I'm with you. I think Slovis and that talented wide receiving core has a field day. And like you said, I think the defense, even though it's banged up, is just gonna gonna get at Colorado. So I'm with you on USC minus thirteen and a half. Uh, I love I love that call on Paxton. I, I love these Friday night games. They're they're fantastic to bring in the weekend. It's usually you know normally it's a decent matchup. I don't consider this one of them, but we've had a few decent ones uh, over the course of the year so far. Yeah, and it's a. I think in general, it's a little, nice little appetizer. And this week, as opposed to last week, we got a nice little board here as we head to Saturday because at noon we get a, you know, nice little juicy appetizer as well to start off with this next game: Wisconsin at Ohio State, and we have the Buckeyes playing fourteen and a half in the conference now known as the Small Ten. And I, I looked at this game and I said, what, what's the case? What is the case for Wisconsin? And I want to ask you this question. I think I might know your answer, but do you think at this point now with the devastating loss to Illinois, is Wisconsin closer to the U of M's and the Iowa's and the Penn State's of the world than they are to OSU? Which one? Yeah, closer to the Iowa and Michigan. I, if, I, if you're going tiers on this, it's certainly Ohio State is in, in the top tier by themselves. And then I, I still put Wisconsin and, and Penn State for MC so far in a, in a second tier, um, which is still really far from the first tier. And then I put like Iowa and Michigan and one of those okay. in there right now and kind of a, a kind of a third tier. But the gap between the, the first tier and the second tier is much larger than that of the second and third year. Okay. I mean, the only case, honestly, the only case I could make for Wisconsin when I looked at this was, okay, they, they coming off a devastating loss, they should be very motivated to play, play well, and maybe, just maybe, OSU simply can't play and maintain this superhuman level they're at week to week, and they're going to have at least one game where hey maybe from the first half they sleepwalk a little bit and don't play that well and wisconsin can maybe go into halftime tied and then that leaves ohio state almost not enough time to just cover a bigger number so and, and again that has nothing to do with wisconsin when i make that case that has to do with ohio state might just play that so um for my pick, it's Ohio State laying the points. I'll let you go. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna agree again. Um, you know, the, the lead into this. Well, first of all, I mean, Wisconsin just that's unacceptable what they did last week, and I think it I think it showed that they're really far away from from an Ohio State. Like, I don't see Ohio State performing performing like that. Um, you know, what's interesting here is the Wisconsin defense has only given up seven touchdowns this year. Ohio State's only given up five touchdowns this year. That's pretty. Pretty amazing numbers. I think the difference is, uh, you know, Wisconsin hasn't seen a team, um, you know, like Ohio State with these athletes. So this is just superior talent and athleticism. It's no secret. We all agree to that. But it's they're going to have their way with them, even if Wisconsin puts together that 
that first half where they somehow control the time of possession, Ohio State scores so quickly um, that if there's even just a, a spurt of eight minutes where they get away from Wisconsin, they're going to be done. They're, they're going to have to go one-dimensional, and they're not going to be able to recover from that. So it, it's Ohio State minus 14 and a half. And it's, just cook it ugly and kind of go with what, what you're saying. The rest of the Big Ten just stinks. Um, and it's Ohio State. And then you know, your view, I think, is everybody else. Um, I've had a little different spin and, and had some different tiers in there. But Ohio State minus, uh, minus 14 and a half. Look for another big day from the field. Dobbins and that wide receiver court. Yeah, okay. And I think that th- this is – I think that was the biggest thing. My takeaway from that loss was – how bad is this conference? And I think we were messaging a little bit, and that's exactly what I said. Is just how how bad is this conference? Uh, it's it's the small ten. So did you want to add your note? Did you want to add your note about uh, Jim Har- one of Jim Harbaugh's quarterbacks' biggest wins in the, in the oh, Big Ten? Oh oh oh! Well, <laughs> why do I get the, yeah? No, I, I I tossed a cute little text out to uh, you and a little group we have, uh, but uh, yeah. So it essentially said the biggest win by a Michigan quarterback in the Jim Har- Harbaugh era was Brandon Peters over Wisconsin. So that, <laughs> it's absolutely true. So uh, but we'll get to him uh, later. First, we're going to move on to another Littles 10 matchup. The Penn State Nittany Lions travel to our Spartans. Penn State minus six and a half. And I think if you're looking for a case for MSU, I think Vegas is just making it for you by the line that is set. They're, they're kind of putting Penn State in this tier, whatever you want to call it. They're they're not bad team, but how really good are they? I, I don't know. And um, Look, D'Antonio is 4-1 and one against Franklin. Franklin has no wins in EL. Uh, D'Antonio also six and three overall in his career against Penn State, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go with the Vegas, what I perceive as the uh, Vegas side here. I'm going to take MSU plus the six and a half. Doctor on the call. You're you're, you're right. It's a it's a Vegas play if you're going with MSU, and you, you mentioned the success that that Michigan State has had against Penn State, and in, in the last you know, few years they've they've won some games in upset fashion against them. But from from what we've seen this year from the Michigan State offense, I, I just have no reason to believe that they're going to be capable of doing anything of significance against the Penn State defense that I saw play, especially in the first quarter. I know Michigan played really well kind of, uh, midway through the second and beyond that. They, they got some first downs, had some yards, but uh, Michigan's offense is way better than Michigan State's. So I, I, just, I don't see a case where, where Michigan State can score – any points and so then we go to the to the defense again i think penn state's offense is pretty balanced uh, you know it's not exceptional but they they do decent in the run i think they're 52nd in the nation 44th they, in passing. They can hit, hit big plays yeah and they, they they did that against michigan and i just i think we're going to see the same story here or or michigan state you know falls falls behind can't keep up i mean the only thing you'd hope for here is your Vegas play, and then that stew you always talk about with some some turnovers, but Penn State doesn't turn the ball over. They've only turned it over six times this year, and so I, I don't see that changing this week. So I'm all over Penn State, minus six and a half, and uh, it's too bad. It's, the season's going to be over for Michigan State at 7 o'clock on, on Saturday. 
They might actually I take that back. Four thirty on Saturday. <laughs> or 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 you mean uh, four p.m. two weeks ago? So uh, well, I'm not, I'm not ready to do that. Right? If they were to okay. pull off this, if they were to pull off this win, there's some life in the season, right? We're not too delusional to think this is a you know eleven and one, ten and two program every year. Um, so if they were to no. pull this win off, there's there's some life in the in the program. It'd be a nice win for them. It's not sure. Sure. Well, by the way, how many teasers is Penn State going to be in? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looks so. It's too easy. All right. Um, all right. Well, in case that game uh, gets out of hand, which it might, um, you, are, you are attending, correct or no? I am. I am going to go to a tailgate. Uh, I will leave the tailgate at two thirty to be back on my couch by three thirty to enjoy uh, that game on my couch and then okay uh, and it will take in the night game which we'll get to shortly yeah and when that if that gets out of hand i should say uh we have a real football game at 3:30, which makes this board nice um the lsu tigers minus 10 and a half at home in death valley against auburn tigers and um is there a trophy for this game is there like the the best tiger team is there any, do you know of anything? <laughs> well, I, I don't know of anything. Um, I, is, it, uh, is it Auburn the Tigers? They are, or is it War Eagle? You just never know. They have like a number of different mascots you can go to. I'm not familiar sure. with them. Sure. I like, War, I like War Eagle better than Tigers. Okay. Well, that, I just was curious. I was like, Tiger versus Tiger? Okay, whatever. Anyway, um, Auburn has never won in Death Valley under Gus Malzahn. They are 2-4 and four overall in the matchup in his tenure. Uh, LSU already, this offense uh, just takes the top off of every defense they face. They did it against Florida again, uh, which was probably their biggest challenge a couple weeks ago. And now they're getting Terrace Marshall Jr. back the last time he was on the field with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase together where they had their trio of their three big wideouts. That was in the Texas game earlier in this year. Do you want to guess what their line was or just want me to tell you what it was? You can just tell me that. <laughs> the trio of the three receivers in the one game against Texas combined for 23 catches, 433 yards, and four touchdowns. Wow. It, that, that's, uh, yeah, it is wow. And, um, I- well, we are still we're agreement that the Texas defense isn't really garbage. Great numbers, but still, it's a little different game this week. Those numbers against anybody are kind of ridiculous. So, um, but and I'll, and I'll say this: I, I kind of want to make a little comp from um, talking about Wisconsin earlier, and you know, are they closer to you know Ohio State or are they closer to a uh, Penn State or Michigan? And I kind of look at Auburn a little bit similarly, where I go, are they closer to LSU and Alabama? Or are they closer to, say, Florida? And I think it's closer to Florida. So, well, I, I think one of the one of the differences I would say there is the gaps are different because the level of athlete isn't quite as wide, right? I don't think you're going to sit there and go, LSU has way better athletes than Auburn. Right? But when you look at matchups in the Big Ten, you look at uh, you know, Ohio State, you clearly say they're just better athletes. I don't think you say that as much in the SEC. I think there's – you get what I'm saying there? Where it's like, I, I don't think has the athletes. So the, the gap is always a, a little smaller each week. 
Agreed, agreed from like yeah pure athlete standpoint but i think the competitive advantage that the lsu offense has now with their athletes and an actual like nfl quarterback i think that's the difference where they can he can throw the ball in a way where they have a competitive advantage that their offense is that good so they can take advantage of even the better teams uh, they did they did against florida you know florida matches them athletically i would probably agree with that and to a degree and uh they did the same thing to them so i think you know where i have it yeah uh, <laughs> I, I, I do know where i have it so do you want to yeah. say it <laughs> I, yeah i'm lsu i'm laying the ten and a half. I, I think it's a it's a smaller line it's actually gone down i think over the course of the week uh from maybe 12 or 13 so I, the public is on auburn but i'm, I'm going to continue to say that lsu is one of those better five or six teams in the country where that are elite and when they face the teams that aren't i'm probably more often than not going to go their direction and your pick well bob i'm not <laughs> gonna go that way okay uh, i i think the auburn front four is gonna is gonna disrupt burrow uh, enough to to make this game pretty competitive um they are the auburn d is is top 10 in third down conversion percentage. You're only giving up about 30% of, of third downs, which I think will be big in this game to, to slow LSU and get them off the field. Um, they're also, that defense is 12th in, in, in rush D, so they're going to turn this into the Burrow game, and I think if the he's forced to pass and they can get at him, they're going to keep this close. I don't think they win, but I definitely think they cover uh, Auburn plus 10, or they cover the 10 and a half, so uh, I'm a war eagle on the spread. I, I think LSU will win the game. Okay, and uh, again, if you're doing a three-team teaser, how many are you throwing LSU in? <laughs> oh I, you know, I haven't looked at the full college slate, so I'd have to I'd have to look at a few more to see if that that rises up uh, to that well, level. But it's well, certainly on the short list. Well, I'll tell you what, because there's some big lines in the NFL. How would you like? one of the legs of those to be New England minus three at home against Cleveland. <laughs> I like that very much. <laughs> yes. We all win. All right. So, yeah, Elsie's going to lose to Auburn. All right. Um, that brings us to uh, everyone's favorite Saturday night primetime drinking game when you get to listen to the ABC broadcast take a poll every time they mention Don Brown. That that is it because by halftime you're going to be loaded because Kirk Herbstreit will not stop saying it and we have the Irish. Uh, uh, real quick, are you going to throw Gaddis in there too into the drinking game because he's been getting a lot of runs since he moved to the sideline? I know I mentioned it, like it's not. I still it's, I'm still laughable. It's fair. It's fair to like include him as part of like the nonsense that Brown these coordinators being constantly talked about. But Don Brown, I mean. Kirk Herbstreit, I thought was he, I thought he was gonna pass out so much. He kept bringing up Don Brown. It was, it, it, and they never talk about this. He just got lit up. He spotted him another twenty-one points uh, in the blink of an eye, and it's just like, what are we talking about here? So anyway, my God, uh, yeah, <laughs> we have, we have, um, we we're gonna talk about this line in a second uh, to, to kind of start it off, but. Right now, it's settled in Irish minus one in Ann Arbor on Saturday night. It's pretty much the uh, headliner of the week. And I want to start this off with a question. And it involves a topic that we really enjoy, which is um, people that are delusional. 
and and kind of kind of in uh, celebration of the NBA season kicking off, we're gonna bring factor that in. So the question is, the question is, which individual is more delusional? Is it Jim Harbaugh going full Winston Churchill? telling Maria Taylor at halftime of last week's game against Penn State down 21-7 that this will be our finest hour? Or is it the NBA GOAT, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, earlier this week claiming in an interview that Steph Curry is not a Hall of Famer yet? And the final choice, me making the case for the Jets to cover nine and a half points on Monday Night Football. Um, it's the last one for sure. <laughs> uh, that was that was all time. Um, I think the other two are actually somewhat factual. Oh um, my god! Meaning, meaning by this, technically, uh, Steph is not a Hall of Famer yet. Like technically, he's not. But he's not in the Hall of Fame, so he's not in the Hall of Fame. So if you want to go technically on it, that's a factual statement. That's like okay. Clinton, Clinton going. Well, no, that I, depends on what the definition of the word is. is well, no, I'm just saying he's not. He's not. Is he a Hall of Famer? Okay. Answer the question. Okay. Is he in the Hall of Fame? Okay, fine. Keep no. playing words. Okay. Keep and then, okay. So, and then, in fairness to Harbaugh, for this year's team, although it was a losing effort, that might have been the finest hour. That was their best. That was their best half of football by far. So, so maybe maybe both those guys are right, and you're just wildly incorrect. I and mean, that, that's where I stand on this. Your your delusion levels all time. That, don't you think that was Michigan's finest hour of the season? That's as good as football as they played. I, it, I, in, in a weird way, it's it's actually possible. But. Vegas thinks go because that's what Vegas has to be basing this line on to pull this back together before we get too far off the rails. I can't believe this line. It has to be based on the last three quarters of football in that game. And that's it. Well, and before I move on to this, I just want to do a little housekeeping item. Uh, part of that question I did not include was me mentioning Rich Rodriguez being the offensive coordinator in Arizona last week. Um, that is not true. And the only thing I can say, uh, he's, a, he's offensive coordinator Ole Miss, and the only thing I can say to that is that I think on Saturday nights, by the time Arizona plays their games usually, uh, I, my reality may be a bit distorted. And um, I may be seeing things that just are not uh, are, are not real. So that's um, fair. Our listeners should be able to relate. That's fair. Yeah. So we'll just move on. But yeah, uh, we, we you know we want to clean those things up. We don't want to put that stuff out here on the SRS pod. Not not part of how we do business. So Rich Rodriguez, uh, not the offensive coordinator of Arizona. So okay, get let's get to the line. Um, I messaged you on Sunday morning that i thought this would open up at the irish minus six and a half you said you thought that was a reasonable range and then it opened up at what michigan minus two and a half something like two and a half or three i think yeah just yeah And, and and so accordingly um the public everyone's pounding the irish and it's gotten the irish Minus one as of today, which is this is Thursday now. So I'll let you just kind of take it from here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't. This is difficult for me because I see a game like this, and <laughs> and I normally trust Vegas and go, well, this they know what they're doing. On this one, I, I can't. I, I can't do it. I, I think they're just basing on three quarters of football that 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 
Michigan just played, there's maybe some recency bias there from Vegas, which makes no sense. Normally it's recency bias from the public. Um, so I, I'm taking Notre Dame uh, minus the point. From what I've seen this year, they are they're pretty balanced on both sides of the ball. They do some things that historically give the Don Brown defense trouble with a lot of like, crossing routes and, and, and things like that. They have some deep playability. So having a quarterback who knows what the hell he's doing. Right. Like he he's he he can read defenses and, and they will run those underneath routes and, and ha- I think have some success. So I, it, it's it's hard to, to say that because the public is hammering Notre Dame. You know, I, I think it's up close to eighty percent right now. They're just they're just crushing it. But anyway, I'm going ND ND minus the one, and I'm just I'm looking forward to watching this game and, and kind of seeing what sees what happens. Yeah, and uh, we I, I think have an opportunity to uh, view it in person. I believe, correct? Yes, we do. We do. That, that at, should the be, at the moment, <laughs> at the moment, at, of course, it's always TBD. Uh, so, well, um, that would be nice. But uh, look, I'm. I think this is kind of how you laid it out. This is a football choice or a Vegas choice. Yep. And and I am going on the football one too. I think that you talked about the quarterback and Ian Book, and I myself think he is an NFL caliber quarterback. I think he will be an NFL draft pick. Um, and like we talked about, when Don Brown faces an offense and an opposing quarterback, and especially uh, add on an offensive coach who actually knows what the hell they're doing, he gets jumped. Uh, just like last week, 21 nothing well, against... Well, right, and, Book, and Book's better than Clifford. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Notre Dame has has equal or more weapons uh, around him. So I, just, I just don't get it. Yeah, so, look, I, I think this is one where you just go, hey, I'm, I'm going with the football choice here. I'm going with my head, and I'm going against probably what the uh, prevailing Vegas uh, thoughts are. So um, that is the slate for college. We move on now to the... The big boys, the varsity games, NFL week eight, and we're gonna do a little stage setting here. Now, power five, as talked about in the open, was own five for the first time this year. Brings me to 16 and 19 on the year. I did all that work to get above 500 and I was all washed away. I gotta scratch and claw my way back here. Overall, the NFL is 4-9, down to 45-54 for the season. And the real story was the doctor. A little uh, redemption, perhaps. 4-1 in the Power 5 when he needed it the most. I mean, in just a, a real critical spot. Gutsy. Gutsy. Brings him to 15 and 20. Yeah, intestinal fortitude, yes. Uh, brings him to... 15 and 20 on the season, six and seven overall, and uh, 47, 52 on the year. Still trying to get back to 500. Um, and kind of the, the other direction I want to talk about was there was a little bit of a pendulum swinging back for the overall trend, which was underdogs have been dominating going into the last week. The first week of the year. The favorites finally won. They were nine and five overall, which is really, uh, it's outstanding because I think all the favorites I took, they were the, all the ones that lost in the five. Uh, 
that, so that that was made me really uh, happy. So, but now they're 45 and 61 of the year. What continued again was straight up road teams um, dominating. They were nine and five again against the spread last week. They are now 65 and 41 on the year, uh, which is just a, a crazy, crazy number. Home favorites, they were eight of them, split even at four and four. They're uh, a ridiculous 24 and 46 on the year. Home dogs, <laughs> home dogs one and five. There were six total last week. Um, brought them to 14 and 21 on the season. The larger favorites, which we consider to be seven or greater, one and two overall, 11 and 16 on the year. And then there were no outright losers of favorites that were greater than some, no big upsets uh, last week. And there were six total on the year. And uh, in those six, by the way, all six of those have come in the last, I think, four weeks. So uh, this week, quite the board. We have 13 home favorites. Two home dogs. Now we're picking 14 games. We exclude Thursday night football. And then um, there's some big spreads out there. There's five games of seven or greater, three for double digits. And we're going to start off um, one of the more intriguing games here. The Seattle Seahawks, who were in my power five last week. And did you happen to catch that game, Doctor? I, I did not. Okay. Did you happen to catch the highlights of the Russell Wilson pick six? No. Okay. It, it looked like, you know how we see Stafford make some inexplicable uh, interceptions that get returned for touchdowns in, in like year, you know, 10 of his NFL career? Yeah. It was, it was that bad or worse. It had to be the worst interception I've ever seen him throw. And, um, yeah, another another power five loser for me. It was just it was it was infuriating. So anyway, um, they are minus three and a half. They're at the hapless Atlanta Falcons. And I think a little housekeeping item here for this game: Matt Ryan is right now not expected to play. The line is listed at three and a half on a few boards. It's off a few boards, and then there's I think one had it at like six and a half. Do we want to like clarify what? The line I have it at three and a half, but we're going to clarify what we should be using. I think we just go with, uh, well, if there's not another line, let's just go with a three and a half. Okay, there was one that had it six and a half, but it was just the one random like place on Vegas Insider. So we're going to just, I, I guess let's just go with three and a half then. Um, but uh, I'll start this one off. You know, this is kind of similar to me to the college game we just left of U of M and in Irish. Um, I thought this line would open at maybe six or seven points, even if Matt Ryan was in. There are zero football reasons to take the Dirty Birds. Seattle needs this game to keep pace in the NFC West and in the NFC playoff race in general. They cannot lose this game. And I still think, regardless of what happened in that game, they were in almost complete control until that interception of the house. And it was just a very weird game with a lot of like Lamar Jackson runs on third downs. And, and it was just, he's great. Great. He's, he played really well, uh, but I can't go away from Seattle here. I, I, I don't, whether it's three and a half or six and a half, I would take Seattle. Doc, run the pick. 
I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, this, you're not, nobody's banging out of Atlanta. Don't, don't do it. Um, we're picking these games. If you want to, if you want to place a bet in this game, it has to be Seattle, right? They, they're in the place. They need a bounce back game. They tend to do that. Uh, they're experienced. Russ will come back. Um, you mentioned Matt Ryan's questionable. So even with him, I think they cover the three and a half, especially without them, they'll certainly cover six and a half. If that's what it is. Um, yeah, you know, the signaling with the Muhammad Sanu trade, he's out. I mean, they've given up. Dan Quinn is out of time. Um, you know, this team is dead at one and six. They got, there are no guts left here. It's Seattle all the way. Yeah. And, and I, I still pretty shocked at this line, but, uh, let's all move on to another line that I think is interesting. And that is the Eagles traveling to Buffalo, Buffalo minus one and a half. Now Philly's in utter turmoil right now. It's not just on the field, but you had this week. Lane Johnson, their all-pro lineman, coming out, questioning teammates' effort, showing up late to meetings, starting to air the dirty laundry. There is a report that Alshon Jeffrey was talking. uh, He was a a source about people not liking the direction of the offense with Carson Wentz. And then you think back to that Carson Wentz rumors about in the offseason maybe – uh, you know, some teammates in the locker room saying they didn't like his leadership. He just started going, Something, something's wrong here. And, and you messaged me a few weeks ago when they were getting shellac in the first half by Minnesota. Hey, you still think this is a good team? And I went, yeah, I think they just got jumped by, you know, a, a good offensive game plan that went after their injuries, and it worked. Um, but I, I still think it's just it'll be all right. Well, now they put that work out there on Sunday night, and I, there's nothing you can really say about that. So I'm going to feel right now, everything going wrong for them, everything going right for Buffalo. They didn't even play well last week, really kind of sleptwalk through their first half against Miami, still got the win by double digits. And I want to just throw this out there. They're 5-1 they're and one now, and after this week, their November schedule is home Washington, away Browns, away Miami, and home for the Broncos. Uh, they get a win here. They could easily be 9-2 and two heading into the Buffalo Bills. 9-2 and two heading into their Thanksgiving Day game against Dallas. Um, I'll let you respond to this. Yeah, you're... Uh... You're, I think, too high on Buffalo right now, okay? So, five wins for Buffalo. Jets, Giants, Bengals, Titans with Mariota, and Dolphins. We'll talk, and, about, Mari- we'll talk about Mariota later. Oh, we will. We will. <laughs> and so, you know, they've been doing this uh, with defense against just offenses with nothing really to offer. Um, so, I, I think in, in this one... Um, you know, the Philly D is going to play a big role. So Josh Allen's uh, TD to touchdown ratio is one, t- sorry, TD to interception ratio is one to one, seven to seven. Um, this Philly D knows how to force turnovers. They're tied to third in the league, forcing eight interceptions. Um, they're really strong against the run, 10th in yards, 7th in yards per attempt, and third in tackles for losses. So I think they're going to, 
That's true. Make the Buff- make, yeah, I think they're going to make the Buffalo offense have an extremely tough day. They're going to force some turnovers and put Wentz in positions, short fields, to score enough points to win this game. Uh, you know, Not to mention Buffalo is 0-2 against the spread as a home favorite. So I'm going Philadelphia plus 1.5. I still have Philly on fraud alert, but I'm also not sold on Buffalo. So just want to point that out that I'm not fully on board with Philly just this week. Okay, I, I think this is a this is like a prime spot right for Buffalo where everything's right there for them. They win this game, they're just they're on the way. And um, you talked about last week, like you know the Jets fan base, they were going to be really fired up, and there's going to be you know, and I think this is one of those games where maybe a little bit back to reality and the the line scares me frankly um i think buffalo if if vegas believed in them they would be minus three uh so the line scares me a little bit and i'm going to go with philly i I don't like it i think it's complete stay away but um philly plus one and a half is the pick for me as well and let's get to another game speaking of stay aways you have oh no you have the la Chargers going to Chicago, and uh, I'll let you start this one. Yeah, I will. This is far from a stay-away game. Um, (laughs) So, look, let's be real clear. The Chargers season ended last week, and anybody who thinks otherwise is stupid. And that appears to be about 65% of the public, which is those betting on the Chargers, which is absolutely stupid. And that goes about right with society, 65%. is stupid. Um, Not our listeners. Look, I'm on Chicago all the way here. Um, the Charger offense is in is in disarray. Uh, what happened last week on the goal line was, was just unbelievable, comical, so much to it. Um, so I think Chicago's D gets right this week. They, they have a day. Um, Trubisky's back for his second week. He's going to get more comfortable. I think it's tough for him to come back. And I think the only way that the Chargers kind of come into this is the turnover game again. They've only forced eight. Chicago's actually only given up six times. So um, I don't see a way that, that the Chargers can beat here. I think it's Chicago minus four, and I think it's going to be pretty one-sided game. Okay. Well, listen, um, Doctor, I'm reporting this here first, and I want you and everyone to know. Something happened in London. Something happened. I don't know. Usually what takes locker rooms down is either a gambling bet or women. I'm not sure which one it is, but I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something that this is the best rush defense in the NFL last year. They uh, allowed opposing running backs to exceed 100 yards only three times and held them to 3.6 yards per carry for the season. Through the first four games this season, it was 3.1 yards per carry to opposing running backs. That includes, and I know what you're going to say, Oh, that's because Akeem Hicks was out the last couple games. No, no, no. He was out for the Minnesota game, and they held Delvin Cook in the Minnesota offense to under three yards per carry as well. So, in London, 154 rushing yards to greater running backs. You think, okay, it's a weird thing, London, whatever. Last week, Saints, without Kamara, 144 rushing yards, 4.6 yards per carry over their last two games against, you know, relatively blah offenses. Um, 
So, something is a, a little bit wrong. And look, you can spin it any way you want with the Chargers. You're right. They're two and five. They're not a good team. They just lost another offensive lineman, Forrest Lamp, for the season. And uh, that's why this kind of scares me. This Why is this line four? Um, it, it's, it's just a little – something seems a little bit off here. And I think one of our buddies mentioned the Chargers comparison to the Lions. They are kind of – outside of a few playoff wins – Rivers and the Chargers are kind of the lines of the AFC in a lot of ways. Um, and I, you know I track those cute little um, touchdown drive stats? Yes. And that would be offensive touchdown, touchdown drives of 50-plus yards that aren't like garbage time or, you know, uh, non-irrelevant non, uh, drives. How many would you guess Chicago's offense has this season? I think we covered that. I think you hit on this couple weeks ago. <laughs> well, we're three, not. We're not. We're now in week eight. Three. It's four. That's four. That's, yeah. that's that's one less than Cincinnati. And the Bears can't. The Bears can't. You, you got you had Chase in there for a couple weeks. Trubisky still is is finding himself a little bit. It's fine. Okay, I, just, I don't know how you're going to rule out that defense after two games, though. And the, the Oakland thing was kind of one half of football, right? It was I, one I, bad half. I you're going to throw away. You're going to throw away the first you know, few games of this year and all of last season based on two games. That's that's a bit of a stretch right now. Well, I think it's two games in a row, and you can say one half, but Oakland finished the the game on like an 80 yard touchdown drive to win the game. Start the start the car, man. Start the car. Uh, okay, okay. Well. Um, <laughs> Look, and you tell me if this is a hot take. Is this a referendum game for Matt Nagy as a big-time head coach? No. Okay. I, I, I think the way they came out against New Orleans and got worked like that, no Kamar, no Jared Cook, and was kind of a throwaway game for New Orleans in a lot of ways and got blown out, I, if they don't come out this week, whew, that's a tough look. I got Chargers plus the four points. I'm uh, losing faith here in, in this Bears team. So let's move on to the guy we talked about a little bit a second ago, Marcus Mariota, except he's not playing anymore. It's the Tennessee Titans at home, minus two and a half to Tampa. And who would have thought, Doctor, that Crab Legs and Marcus Mariota, who are the one and two picks of the 2015 draft would basically be backup quarterbacks at this point uh, in their rookie deals. I'll let you go. Yeah, this game is uh, – Tennessee is the undertaker gift over right now. You know, the gift that gets played out all the time where he just sits up in the coffin. And it's both for the Titans and for Tannehill. Tannehill last week, 23 to 29, 312 yards and two TDs in that W. Um, and I think Derrick Henry had 90 yards, which isn't a lot, but that's that's his second largest output of the year. So things are starting to churn. Uh, what I also found interesting is uh, Mariota's targets, 52% of them were to wide receivers. Tannehill, <laughs> 70, 71% to wide receivers. So right there, I think um, – you're opening up the offense a little bit more. Um, hey, he looked all right. So um, 
I don't have a lot of belief in Tampa Bay's offense right now. Uh, they have a terrible pass D. They're, the, they're bottom six in sacks. They don't get a rush on. I'm taking I'm taking Tennessee minus two and a half. The Titans are back, and Tannehill is back. He New is life. He is back. And I want to add on to your target uh, stat there because this is even more alarming in a way. But it, it, it kind of compounds what you were saying about the wide receivers. Um, I went back because Tannehill completed – six passes to two different wide receivers um, in that game. And I thought, well, that, that's, you know, usually, you know, we play fantasy football. You know, Tennessee really doesn't have a lot of good receiving stats the last, you know, year. So I went back and looked at Mariota's starts last year and this year. He completed at least six passes to two. This is wide receivers and tight ends in the same game twice in his last 20 games that is unbelievable i mean like that so it's just you know like what what is what are you doing back there what are you doing back there yeah yeah what do you do like how how do you do that so and and look bucks bucks have the worst passing in the nfl they're giving up over 300 yards per game so uh we're in agreement here tennessee minus two and a half and that takes us to another one of these games. Uh, Denver at Indy, Indy minus five and a half. And look, this is just another one. Who looks at this game and likes the Broncos? Can you can you answer that question? No one. Right. How many teasers is Indy going? This is a good one. Yeah, you're right. This is a good one. Yep. Okay. The only case, the only case you can make for the Broncos is that it's somewhat of a natural letdown spot for Indy coming off a big emotional divisional win over Houston where they kind of took control of this thing for right now. Um, and the Broncos had a long layoff. That's that's it. That's it. The Broncos last week, we talked about Flacco a lot and him being a statue. And I think he's going to get killed because I have a question for you. What would you guess? Which number is greater? the amount of sacks taken by Denver last week against KC or first downs that were not due to a penalty? Well, I, I think I uh, I think I know the answer because that's why you're asking the question. Uh, <laughs> so it's sacks. Uh, and Denver is fifth worst in the league in giving up sacks. They've given up 24 this year. So I think that's going to be the answer to that, that question. Well, look, it's, it is it is first downs, but it was 12 to 9. Oh. It, it, <laughs> look, it, but it was 12 to 9. 12 tonight. That's oh, close enough to ask the question. It's definitely worth asking. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, there, there is no case for Denver, um, or at least the mild one I laid out. And uh, that said, that's why I'm taking Denver plus five and a half. I'll let you go. Oh, you're going Vegas on this one. Okay. Yes. You're going, you're going to Vegas on this one. Uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, for all the reasons. I'm going, I'm going football. I'm going, I'm going Indy minus the five and a half here. Um, you know, one of the other reasons, not only does Denver can't protect Flacco, they don't get to opposing teams' quarterbacks. Um, they're six in sacks with 13. They don't pressure them. And then also, India's second in sacks allowed on the other side. They've only allowed seven. So I, I think they're going to have time to do what they want on offense and get some points up on the board. And then you know, Flacco is not going to do anything. So um, you know, they're not going to be able to run the ball. And he's got a top 10 uh, rush yards per game defense. So I'm, I'm all on the Colts minus five and a half. Okay, and just another note here. Um, 
another reason that it makes no sense that the Broncos are only getting five and a half points. They just sent the message to their team that they their season's over by trading Emmanuel Sanders, which yeah. was predicted verbatim on episode nine of this podcast that the San Francisco would trade for either A.J. Green or Emmanuel Sanders. So I just want to make sure that's clear. Um, all right, so you're you're on well done. You're on Indy. I'm on Indy. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, let's go on to another dumb London game, and it is uh, the L.A. Rams. A little rejuvenation for them last week, and they're getting back to laying the big numbers minus thirteen to the Bungles. And are the Rams back, Doctor? I think so, um, but more importantly, I'm, I'm going kind of a, a Vegas analysis in this one. I think there's no case, football case, to, to be made here for, for Cincinnati. Um, no, no. So I, I went a little deeper into the into the Vegas numbers in London because I think that's important. And by the way, we're at Wembley Stadium this week. Thank you. Uh, so that's <laughs> not that's the other one, which I can't remember the name. Tottenham Hustons or whatever it is. Yes. Whatever. Oh, my EPL buddies are going to be upset when they hear that or remember that. Um, all right. So in London, the trends uh, go to the favorites at uh, 17-11 against the spread. Um, and then also the favorites covered by or a point differentials plus 15.22. So custom to see in blowouts by the favorites. Uh, which you can tell which way I'm going right now. I'm going with the Rams minus 13. But also, McVay is is nine and zero straight up and six two and one against the spread against AFC teams. Woo! So uh, and and to your point about them being back, you know yeah. they're they're looking to put it on people, right? They're looking to get some confidence. I think he's that kind of guy too. Even though his buddy Zach Taylor's over on the other side of the ball, I don't think he cares. Uh, so if they get up, they're gonna they're gonna. They're going to try and run away with this one to get the narrative going about their offense and get a little swag back from the Rams. Okay, well, you know I, I don't long-term like uh, the Rams. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think Gurley is uh, done. He had another very unproductive game, even that win last week. He averaged under four yards per carry. But if they're back, uh, I, I'll say this, they're back for at least for this week. Um <laughs> I want to talk about the Bengals a little bit. And, uh, first, Why? First, <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, look, I want them to do everyone a favor and just trade A.J. Green to a contender. That's the only reason they exist right now. That's, you know, just please put him on, I, I don't know, uh, can we think of a team right now? Put, put, put him on the Packers. How Green Bay, I was going to say, Green Bay might need, a, might need an elite receiver. How great would that be? Pair him next to Devontae Adams. How lovely would that be for everyone involved? So, uh, Bengals, do your job. Um, and uh, they are averaging a league worst for running backs. What would you guess their yards per carry is for running backs? Oh, because you told me it's bad. We're going to go with 2.9. <laughs> it's lower. It's 2.7. Jeez. <laughs> And that comes after uh, a week where they, Gio Bernard and um, what's what's uh, Mixon, Joe Mixon, they combined for a whopping 14 carries for two yards on the ground. How is that even possible? So um, they they also have the worst defense in the league, allowing almost 200 yards on the ground and the most yards per game 
uh, in the league. Rams are back, like I said, at least for this week. Minus the 13, let's get out of here and move on to um, now a team that I've been, you know, I doubted and then got back on and then last week said, well, Kamara's out, Jared Cook's out. I'm going to, I think this is the week where they lay one down. New Orleans at home, minus 10 and a half to the Arizona Cardinals. Looks like Breeze, he says he's planning on starting. Uh, why don't you go here? Yeah, so um, I'm indifferent on the uh, Breeze, Teddy Two Glove start. I don't think that makes a difference for me here. So, you know, wow. Arizona, Arizona's been winning their games by outscoring the likes of Cincinnati, the Giants, and the Falcons. All right. Um, they are, they need to score points to win games. Um, but, you know, the New Orleans D has been playing very well. They haven't allowed more than 250 yards in their last four games. They haven't allowed a rusher to get over 100 yards in, I think it's 29 games, which is a big component of the Arizona offense. Not only that, the defense is fifth in sacks and fourth in hurries. So I just think that spells a lot of trouble for the Arizona offense, and they're not going to be able to score points. Uh, I think we've seen New Orleans have kind of this balanced attack. If Breeze comes back, that'll probably make it even more explosive for them. Uh, and the Arizona defense ranks fourth worst in yards per game. So uh, I, I think it's New Orleans minus 10.5 uh, in, in a pretty big way, and, and Arizona's going to struggle to, to score, um, which is going to lead for a bad bad day for that. They're going to lose an interest very early. Yeah, the uh, win last week against the G-Men for Arizona – was a little bit deceiving. And we talked about a little bit that we both thought Arizona was, you know, improving a little bit week to week and playing a little better. But like you mentioned, you know, probably took advantage of some plus matchups, which is okay. Uh, But, you know, Murray threw for 104 yards last week. 17 of their 24 points came on giant turnovers. Uh, And like you mentioned, the defense is still just not good. And now they're going against an elite offense. So I think I'm just done going against these guys. Uh, I don't know why I did last week, to be honest. I just thought that, hey, no Kamara, no Cook. Perfect excuse, perfect week at Chicago. Tough defense to kind of lose one of these games in this stretch without Breeze. And they instead clown the Bears, really. So, um, no, they're, they're the most impressive team in football to me. So, I'm on the uh, New Orleans Saints minus 10 and a half as well. And that takes us to uh, my New York Jets for Monday night pick to cover nine and a half. They are at Jacksonville. Jacksonville minus six points. And, you know, look, I, I, I'm going to kind of start this one off. Look, are the Jets as good as they look against Dallas? No. Are they as bad as they look against the Patriots? No, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And the Jags run D is already one of the worst in the league. They allow 4.9 yards per carry to opposing running backs. They just now lost the most important uh, interior alignment to stopping that, Marcel Darius. Uh, so they were up against it in that in that regard. And, you know, I, I like Gardner. You know I do. I, I do think he's a, a good – I think he's a, a starting caliber NFL quarterback, but that TD stat I track of 50 
yard offensive touchdown drives, not in garbage time. In his six starts, Jacksonville has eight of those. So not not necessarily uh, explosive or, or really good even. Um, I think there's some value here with New York in the six points, and I'm going to do the six. All right. Well, I will agree with that, but I will simplify it. Um, do it. Uh, no, no more ghosts. No more <laughs> ghosts for, for, for Darnold. Uh, Halloween's a few days away yet, uh, so he won't be seeing any more ghosts. Uh, you do know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah, no. I, I think, and I think that Monday night hey, game might have might have played into this. Uh, might have played in this line a little bit. Like I, I just think people are looking at that going, Ugh, uh, so. Yeah. yeah, no, I, yeah, you made the point I was going to make, too. I, I think they're closer. I think he's closer to the guy that played at Dallas. I think this just, it just got away, right? And this it's it's happening to everybody that plays New England. It's just it's getting away from everybody. So um, I like them to bounce back and, and at least cover the six. Who knows who will win, but I'll, I'll, I'll take the Jets plus six. All right. Uh, that takes us to the last 1 p.m. game that we always talk about. 1, 1 p.m. game. Uh the G-Men at the loser Detroit Lions. Lions minus seven. And it's uh, it's a fall tradition every year. Where the Lions, the Spartans, it seems like. And now, and even though you have Wolverines, where the season's over for Halloween. And the biannual discussion starts of the Lions needing a regime change. And the coach needs it all be blown up. And it, it, as bad as it was on the field for the Lions on Sunday against the Vikings, their front office now with this Quandre Diggs trade and the coach, who's the defensive guru, seem like they're equally as clueless. So um, I'll let you just respond to this. Where do you want to start I, with this team? You're right. Like, it, I mean, last week, that's, that's an embarrassment for, for a defensive coach. Um you know, Cousins, yeah, he had a couple of good weeks, but he's he's far from from elite, and they were just getting carved, carved. Um, Anything they wanted, yeah, yeah, whatever they wanted to do, it was it was it was happening. I, you know, I don't know which Lions team is going to show up. Um, you know, the week before it was the offense that didn't really perform at Green Bay, and the defense actually played okay, right? We just couldn't score touchdowns. Uh, last week, the, I thought the offense did a decent job. The defense couldn't do anything. Uh, I'm going to go with the fact that, um, with the exception of last week, all the Lions games um, had actually been within four points, I think. So yes. with that in mind, I'm going with the Giants plus the seven. Um, I, think, I think Detroit wins the game, but uh, it's certainly not going to be going away. So let's go Let's go to New York plus seven. Yeah, whatever happens, you're going to come away with thinking this team still sucks that's basically what you just come away with no matter what um it's the same thing the the, the gms change the coaches change it, it every you know, time but, hey bob you know what hasn't changed in a decade i i know i know so, but but interesting but I, how how good was he last week that's the last thing you would say he was he was one he of the was, best yeah, he, he was great he was great he was great last week he played yeah, he played he was. well he was so um, I, like, like you know like it's a thing it's it's just it's a, it, it doesn't matter it's the same nonsense it doesn't matter you just go it, it, this team sucks that's that's it and um, I and I do think this coach is in over his head and I'm gonna look, use a little uh, program narrative that you brought up a few weeks ago with the Arizona Cardinals and like well they're so motivated and they're you know. 
they're younger and they're they're trying to they're kind of the beginning of their journey so to speak and look i th- i think with the giants um they got the young quarterback the rookie they got saquon and we already talked about this defense being terrible uh, this is a perfect week for them to kind of improve and and get right a little bit maybe a little golden tape revenge game Ooh, Ooh, nice. Nice. <laughs> and, then, look, I'll, and I'll, I'll bring it uh, I, I just want to kind of because that that dig straight this week there's darius slay came out today um and, and basically i'm not going to get into the exact quotes just set along the lines of f this coaching regime and i don't care if i'm here next week if i get traded That's essentially what he said and there's a lot of players that were kind of echoing what he was saying, whether it was on social media or whether it was, you know, in reports that they were just kind of blindsided by all of it. And, um, it, 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 and, and it, is it ridiculous to trade that guy? Not necessarily, but the, the re- value they got in return, the fifth round pick, that's now it's unacceptable. And it's just, it, it, these guys don't know what they're doing. And, they don't have a good read on their room. And I'll make the comparison to the opener for Matt Patricia's career as head coach, which was the Jets on Monday Night Football last year when they were trying to pull this whole Patriot Way thing. And he came in and tried to run the practices all different and was trying to run training camp this, you know, authoritative way. And those players basically mutinied and got blown out week one and basically kind of looked at him and said, yeah, this isn't the Patriots. And you can only do that when you win, when you're a proven winner. The reason that Bill Belichick and Brady can do the Patriot way routine is because they play for Super Bowls every single year. So this guy's ready to come in here. He doesn't get it. He's he's clueless. And uh, look, I, I think it's kind of like the Bears last week. Like, something's off a little bit when you put a performance like that out there and it when you're not together like that when the going gets tough you can lose to anybody and it can fall apart really quickly so um you obviously know where i'm going we're both on the giants plus the seven points um it doesn't matter season's over in detroit before halloween as always so let's just get to Four o'clock in the best matchup for in my eyes of the weekend and uh, if Carolina traveling to San Francisco Carolina is red hot they've won four in a row all with Kyle Allen as starter traveling to the surprise team of the season 49ers minus five and a half I'll let you start this one off you got so Carolina, like you mentioned, coming off a bye. You got San Francisco coming off a thrilling, thrilling game in <laughs> yeah. Washington. 9-0-W. Does it amount to? What was that? It doesn't matter. That was awful. How does it amount to? Um, so, you, you mentioned it. Uh, Kyle Allen, 4-0. Uh, that's the real matchup here. Tim against the San Francisco D. He's, uh, he's got seven TDs with no pick, so he's not turning it over. Um, I think he's going to have some success against the San Francisco D, of course, supported by the running game of McCaffrey. Um, And 
I, you know, the San Francisco offense is is very run heavy. Like Jimmy G has, has not done a whole lot. Um, and you've got um, very true. Yeah, you've got a Carolina team that I think it's like right around the top ten in yards per carry uh, against the run. Um, they also uh, lead the league in sacks with 27, and they have 15 turnovers, which is second, forcing 15 turnovers, second in the league. And Jimmy G's got a little turnover tendency. He's got a pick per game. He's got a few fumbles uh, on the year. So um, I see some turnovers from Sam Fran. I see Allen keeping it up, and I'm going Carolina plus the 5.5. Yeah, we're on the same page here. I, I think I really, really like Carolina's defense and in in just their their roster in general coming into the season. The only question mark I had was Cam, and I don't think he's getting his job back. So Should not. Should not, I, should not get it back. So, um, no, I, I this feels more like a field goal game to me. I think this is kind of two uh, playoff teams headed uh, in a matchup here. So I'm also on Carolina taking the five and a half points. And we move to the other another afternoon game, New England minus a whopping thirteen points to Cleveland. My question to you is, what would this line have been two months ago if it were set? Ooh, seven. Yes, I mean, I mean, seriously, before the season kicked off, if you just said, "Hey, hey, weekend, Cleveland at New England," I think you could have said seven would have been high. I think the low would have been like four and a half. Yeah, I don't know about that. Four and a half. We didn't know New England's defense would be this good. Uh, not this good, but I knew New England was going to be good. When is the last time New England's been a, uh, a favorite at home of less than, let's say, five points? I, I don't know the answer to that. It doesn't happen very often, I'm sure. You're right, right, but I'm just saying, you know, the hype was on. Be fair, I get it, I get it, I get the point. It's 13-point dogs yeah. in week eight. So, uh, who are we kidding? That's not enough, right? So I'll just, I'll just, I'll just jump in here. You know my take on New England. It's the same every week. I'm not going to change it. If you need a stat, the Pats are 3-1 against the spread when they're double-digit favorites. Enough. I don't, need, I don't need to add anything here. I'm sure you'll have some cute Baker stuff for me to talk through, which is great. I look forward to it, but that's all I have to say about this game. Yeah, no, look, I mean, there's a lot of issues in Cleveland, um, as have been well documented. I think turnovers probably the biggest. They're fourth most in the league with 14. 11 have been Baker INTs. He had 14 all of last year. Um, And the Pats now up to a ridiculous 22 takeaways. That is six more uh, than Carolina's defense that we just mentioned, 16, which is second in the league. So, um, and look, I just want to add another note that it's just, it's been really awesome to watch how quickly New England's defense has become elite since Matt Patricia left to lead the Lions to arguably the worst defense in less than a year and a half in the NFL. So funny. It it is, it is just ridiculous. Stop buying into these assistants, especially on the defense side. Bill Belichick is the defensive coordinator. Just stop. Okay. Except when we're in college and we're talking about Don Brown. Body and on Don Brown. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Belichick. Hey, Belichick or Don Brown? Who do you got? All right. Anyway. I got to think about it. Yeah. All right. All right. Whatever. Ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> next, final 4 p.m. game. Um, Houston at home 
laying six and a half to my Raiders. And look, these Raiders, they either cover and win or just get blown out, uh, you know, by a million points. So I'm not exactly sure what to make of them, except that Josh Jacobs is a good running back. Uh, He's also a little banged up right now. And they they expect him to play, but has a, a rough shoulder uh sore shoulder right now so what i do is that deshaun washington doesn't like to lose and i think you may have heard the last time they lost was a few weeks ago to carolina at home that he was out on the field after the game practicing and making throws and doing his whole bit right and he was talking about hey i gotta get back out there and just correct this right now and look, I, it is what it is, kind of a whatever, a little funny story. But look, I, I think this guy, I've talked about how I really enjoy him as a player. I think he's a big-time competitor, a big-time leader. And I don't think he's going to get in the habit of losing uh, back-to-back games, especially against uh, probably a, a more so mediocre opponent like Oakland. So I am on the Texans minus the six-and-a-half in your call. I'm with you on the Texans minus six and a half. I like what you're going to say about Deshaun Watson there. Uh, Rodgers absolutely carved Oakland last week. Um, I expect Watson to do the same, even without even without Fuller, who will yeah. be out. Um, but Stills and QT will will uh, will step up with Hopkins out there. So I'm expecting a carved job from from Houston and just just blowing them out. And as you mentioned, you know, Oakland relies on the run. Uh, Houston started the year. I think they were struggling against the run. The last three games, though, they've only given up 57 yards, 53 yards, and 62 yards on the ground. So they're yeah, they're they finding did. something defensively. They did a really good job against the Colts run. Yeah, I think they held they held uh, Marlon Mack to like 60 yards. They did a really nice job. So um, no, yeah, I, I think Houston um, big here, and that brings us to S N F where the Green Bay Packers currently sit at minus three and a half at the Kansas City Chiefs. Pat Mahomes, thought to be out for several weeks, has practiced the last two days. That includes uh, today, which is Thursday. So (laughs) the line hasn't moved. The funny thing about this is even with him expected to be out, the line was still still i think opened it four or four and a half so i'll let you respond well that just tells me i don't think he's gonna play right he might be practicing he's not they're not gonna run him out there this week right i, I mean this, I, is, a, I, this, I, is, a, this I, is a long-term this is a long-term play they gotta make they're not gonna run him out there this week i don't i don't know because you know we're not doctors i so i don't i don't know uh, i am i am okay <laughs> I, just haven't, I haven't seen the patient yet that's all. right you're not a you're, you're not a medical doctor. Oh, no, how do you know? Did you know that? <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> so, so um, enough out of you. And I think that I think that he will play. And either way, though. So okay, I guess the way I looked at this is all week long he was expecting not to play. The lines at three and a half. If you don't think he's going to play. What's the case for the Chiefs? Can you make one? No, no, I cannot. I would not bet on Matt Moore. And I think 
uh, especially because I think the Green Bay offense will, will have its way again this week. Um, and not like that through the air, I think they'll establish the ground game through them or uh, against against the Chiefs. So, no, there's no case. But if the line opened not expecting him to play, right? And you're saying it hasn't moved, even though you're seeing that he's practicing. My point is, um, they're not expecting, Vegas is not expecting him to go. They weren't at the beginning, they're not now. So, it's one of those, hey, are you betting on Vegas? Are you betting on football with, with, um, with the line with Matt Moore. That's that's my view of the game. I, uh, maybe you've done more research that you say he's going to play. I, I don't think he's going to. Okay, I just don't view the other practicing. Like, I, I don't know why. If he oh, was he not going to... Is... Why, if he's really hurt and he really can't go, why would they have him wow. out there at all? What is he? What is he doing? Right, these are probably non-contact practices. Is he just like getting a few reps and kind of going fifty percent to get him ready for the following week? Like, uh, it's a lot different I, when you're going out on the field and getting ready to I hit than you are running running you know, seven on seven drills or whatever the hell they're doing. There. If it was me and I was the coach or the front office guy, I'd say, hey, don't even stand on your two feet for four months. I don't care. Don't do anything. You're <laughs> you're our, you know, you're our show pony, man. You're our guy. You're you're our asset for the next. 10 years don't do anything so the fact that he's out there i, I think kind of like we talked about watson i think this dude is a gamer and i think he's a, a big time leader and he a better yeah. he is and I, I think if he's kind of out there practicing i don't put anything past him i think he's going to play i'm taking the three and a half points is that your? Did you already make your pick? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking. I'm taking Green Bay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, maybe, maybe I didn't say it at the end, but I thought my uh, commentary was. You, you commentary. I'll state it. Green Bay minus three and a half. All right. Um, we go to MNF. Jesus. What the game that every, all of America has been waiting for on a national stage? The Miami Dolphins travel to. Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Pittsburgh minus 14. <laughs> and I'll look, look, of course, last week, I put the Bills in the Power Five for a blowout. And uh, Miami had a lead heading into the fourth quarter for the first time this season. It was a ma- magical. And I'm going, this is perfect. Um, so, look, I-, I think for one week, they were cute. And it was nice, and they're just reverting back to what they were doing before that, which is, for the most part, getting blown out by double digits or more. And um, is this could be maybe the Minka Fitzpatrick revenge game, not the Ryan Fitzpatrick game. But he's the guy who uh, Miami strong safety that Miami traded the Steelers a few weeks ago for a first round pick, um, and. Added to a Steeler defense that has been pretty solid, uh, holding opposing running backs to under four yards per carry, and the little touchdown drive stat that I track, Doctor, I track it on defense too. And let me know if you're surprised to hear this. Pittsburgh is tied for the league lead in defensive touchdown drives allowed of 50 yards or more with San Francisco with five all season. That's one ahead of the Pats who have six. 
that's pretty impressive. Uh, it is. It is very impressive. I was just. Uh, I wanted to check their turnovers, uh, and they're actually on the lower side of it. I was going to say if they have a lot of turnovers, we're giving short field. But no. No, no. I, I, eight, I, so that's I, good. No, no. I, I do not. I don't do the. Remember, it's fifty drives or more. I do not exclude the. I exclude the short field. So. Um, no, but you're saying the defense. You're saying, oh, got it. Yeah, that's right. You exclude the short field. That's right. That's right. Okay. I, exclude, I exclude the short field. It's 50 yards or more. They've only given them five all season that are, you know, not garbage time. So that's they've been pretty damn good. And uh, yeah, I think this is uh, Pittsburgh all the way, minus of 14 points, which is kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, I'm doing no, it's it. wild. It's wild that they're a 14 point favorite. Uh, who cares? We just waste a lot of time in this game. Nobody gives a shit. Uh, right. The, the other the other thing is 80 percent of the money or public bets is on Miami. Uh, so I feel really good about taking Pittsburgh minus 14 with that in mind. Okay. <laughs> so. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, that was the number I got today, middle of the day. Okay, so you're on Pittsburgh as well? Yes. All right, and, and before we kind of get to the Power Five, I'd like to bring up um, kind of another in, in celebration of the NBA. I'd like to bring up Draymond Green, if I could, for a minute. Ooh, okay. And he came out earlier, I believe it was – early in the week this week and talked about uh, Marquise Chris, who was a few years ago, an eighth overall pick who played his first couple of years with the Phoenix Suns and kind of washed out and they've signed him now. And he talked about, you know, I like what he's doing. He's a good player. And he basically came out with a narrative. I'm not going to go into all the quotes. He just said, listen, all you guys ever talk about is this player's a bust. He sucks. He didn't live up to his potential. He goes, Sometimes it's the organization's fault. And he goes, you guys got to look at the organization more. These are bad organizations. The Phoenix Suns, Sacramento, who drafted them, these organizations suck, and it's their fault. And you guys never bring that up and never make that part of the narrative. It's always the player, the player, the player. And I thought about this when I was looking at Miami and Pittsburgh, and I thought, I feel bad for Josh Rosen. I think he's an actually a good he was a very good college quarterback. And am I wrong to think that he has absolutely no chance? His chance of having a productive NFL career as a starter is done. I, I don't think it exists. Is that wrong of me to say? I think it's a fair critique and it's 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 not it's not new, right? I mean like the you know, the Mannings, right? Didn't Eli and he, he refused to go to the Chargers at that time because he thought it was going to be a bad organization and so he wouldn't play for them. So this isn't like a um, correct a new concept. I would say on the flip side, though, if you're if you're good enough to be a starter in the NFL with as many bad quarterbacks as there are in the league, you will find a way. Um, so if he's as good as you say he is, he should get a you think a young. You think a young quarterback could go to either Arizona or Miami, Arizona last year with the coaches that they had, and make that work? No, no, not necessarily. No, no. I'm, I'm agreeing with you on the first part of it. Like, hey, they go into these organizations and they suck for three or four years. But if they're as good, like if you really believe that they're an NFL starting quarterback, that their second life or their next contract or their next move, they may have to go try to be a backup, but they would – show themselves to be good enough to eventually find a starting job if they're that good yeah that, that's, I, that's what i'm saying and i think my thing is that he's going to spend his rookie contract 
first year in Arizona, which was a complete waste, and then go to Miami, who's in disarray. And any potential or real talent he had at the end of four years, it's it's going to not be developed. He's going to be so far behind and so jaded by what pro football really is. He's it's just going to be it's gone. It's gone. And, and I just you know I just wanted to talk. I, I feel I feel bad for Joshy. I uh, I think he's well, maybe you should maybe you should tweet at him and let him know you feel bad for him and maybe send him a dozen cookies. And- I mean, look, he's he's a multimillionaire, which is nice for him. But um, you know, I just I just go, God, you know, it, it is. It's true. I, I like Draymond for kind of coming out as a player and saying that. Um, yeah. So, so um, yeah, I just kind of you know thought about Josh and thought, man, you know, I liked him at UCLA. I thought he was going to be a good pro quarterback, and it's tough. He's never going to be good. Let's get to the Power Five. <laughs> on that note. Um, I will go here. Okay. So, power five. Seattle minus three and a half or six and a half, basically. I really don't care what the line will be. Um, Rams minus 13. Panthers plus five and a half. Houston minus six and a half. And Pittsburgh minus 14. Doctor, the pendulum continues to swing back for the favorites. You're okay. You're gonna. You're, I think you're gonna love a couple of these. <laughs> Chicago minus four. Wow. Tennessee minus two and a half. <laughs> I am all in on them being back. Uh, Carolina plus five and a half, and Houston minus six and a half. So we're, we're like there. And I'm taking Green Bay minus three and a half. You and your AR12 love will never no, knows no bounds. I, I, why should it? it should, I mean, the guy's great. He's great. I know. I know. I know. I know who to back. Yeah. Well. All right. You did last week. Good for you. Uh, you got. You got what you needed to get. You got a big bounce back week. So uh, let's try to continue the trend in week eight for the NFL. Um, as always, this was a wonderful time. I think the takes were hot. Uh, the analysis was solid. Is there any? Thing you'd like to add just looking forward to watching uh watching the rich and wolves go at it on on saturday night and then buckling down for our sunday slate should be wonderful um get get the drinking game ready for don brown and i, uh, I won't be able to, i won't be able to do that i, I wouldn't be able to make it through the night <laughs> okay <laughs> well hey man um yeah i, I hope we can uh, have a chance to get together and uh yeah good luck to everyone out there we will be back next week and go green go green absolutely go green hoping there can be some sort of uh turnaround resurrection in the Spartans future Um, but also did you notice there was some uh, clickety clackety sound going on I thought maybe it was some crinkling papers or something but I I'm thinking I'm gonna blame the doctor who has a infant child I think he was playing with his toys as we were speaking with his son 
I don't know this, but I will confirm that that was the reason for this sound I continue to hear, but we will talk about it. Either way, this is Swipe Right Sports. It is your sports spot hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. DSRR. Download, subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Twitter, Instagram, at SportsPod Hookup. Follow me, at Real Bobby Adcock. Good luck to everyone in week eight NFL, week nine college. We'll see you next week. Thank you.